You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and this is the next episode, the third episode, I want to say. Should have probably written it down. Yeah, the third episode of our player review series in which we're going to be focusing on Martin Erdegaard. The Norwegian joined the club on a permanent deal in the summer. We're going to be discussing his season so far and whether or not Signing Martin Odegaard on a permanent deal was the right move from Arsenal Football Club because there was a split opinion on that over the course of the summer. There were a lot of Arsenal fans out there that didn't feel he was the right answer, that didn't feel he would come in and bring enough to the side to warrant the £30 million we were going to pay for him. And I think when those rumours around James Madison gathered pace, people started to turn even further away from Martin Odegaard and began focusing their attention and their kind of desire on uh, on James Madison. So I want to get into the discussion today. Now, I know in the comments, uh, Graham says, this is one of your more insane questions, Harry. Whoever says yes has lost the plot entirely. One poor game does not make a bad player. Graham, I completely agree. I agree that Martin Odegaard, for me, is a good signing. I think that he has shown signs at the start of this campaign that, um, you know, he can really add a lot to the team. However, there are a lot of people out there that don't share that view. And this is why I wanted to do this episode on Martin Odegaard so that we could dive into the Norwegian a little bit deeper, get to the bottom of it and kind of hopefully, um, I don't know, maybe show to some people that are on the fence a little bit that actually this is a signing that has the potential to be uh, a very positive one for Arsenal Football Club for the years to come. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Let's get into it then. So Arsenal, of course, signed the Norwegian from Real Madrid. Now, of course, he spent the second half of last season, not even the second half, to be honest. He came at the end of January last season, so he didn't get all that much game time Uh, between then and the end of the campaign. Of course, he picked up an injury as well, which ruled him out for a period of time. So Martin Odegaard had some time to kind of show the Arsenal faithful what he could do, had some time to try and impress. But you could argue that it wasn't enough, really, for you to make a definitive decision on whether breaking the bank... I don't even want to say breaking the bank because it isn't breaking the bank, is it? Not this day and age. But spending 30-odd million pounds on him, I just wondered if that was... Or, or a lot of people wondered if that was the right thing. Now, I had maintained throughout the summer, and those of you that were following the show, listening to it, watching it, whatever, uh, throughout the summer would have known that I repeatedly said that I felt that he was somebody Arsenal would purchase if the opportunity came along. And I think we got to a point in the window where they did probably look around. They did probably consider other alternatives and just found that at £30 million, Martin Erdogan was perfect value. So what's his season been like so far this season? Well, I think with the exception of the Brighton performance, he has been fantastic. I think he's been so, so good in all of those other fixtures. And even 
in some of the games where Arsenal haven't played very well or Arsenal have, you know, got really disappointing, demoralising results. Martin Erdogan has always looked like one of the players who has been a, a breath of fresh air, almost a kind of beacon of light at the end of a really dark tunnel because of a number of factors. I think technically he gives you so much. I think he's got such a brilliant left foot. He's got an eye for a pass. I think he's very good at carrying the ball. I think he's got so many positive attributes that, you know, you have to say that you feel that at 22 years old, he's not even really near the surface in terms of how high he can reach or how good he can go on to become. But also aside from that, I think he just gives you the right attitude. And, and listen, Mikel Arteta, I think the Ludiguna mentioned it when he was on here the other day. I think the term he used for, for Mikel Arteta was he's a stickler for discipline. And I think Martin Odegaard is incredibly disciplined in a number of ways. Obviously seems like a really nice guy. You know, we don't know uh, him well, of course, but he comes across that way as, as a very grounded individual. He comes across as somebody who probably isn't afraid to make his opinions known or, or tell people about themselves when things aren't going uh, the way they should be. And I never really thought that that was a trait that Martin Odegaard had prior to us signing him permanently. I think the fact that he works so hard as well for the team almost really sets the tone, doesn't it, for those attacking midfield players. And and it's helped us greatly in, in the couple of games where we've pressed really, really effectively. So, look, I, I think... When you factor in what he was available for, 30-odd million pounds, you can completely understand why Arsenal felt it would be a right, a, a smart deal, a wise deal. And look, when you compare him to some of the elite attacking midfielders in the Premier League, and, and the example that always comes up is Bruno Fernandes. You know, Bruno Fernandes is a top-class operator. He's up here, okay? He's at the very pinnacle of attacking midfield play in the Premier League right now. He contributes goals. He contributes assists. He can win you football matches single-handedly. That's kind of what we want. That's what Arsenal fans hope Martin Odegaard can one day go on and become. But there's a couple of things you have to be aware of here. So first of all, Martin Odegaard is 22 years old. Bruno Fernandes is 27, 28. So you're looking at two players at two very different stages in their careers. One who's had time to develop, find himself, understand his game, improve that game, and then got his move to a big club. And then you've got Martin Odegaard, who was picked up at a really young age by Real Madrid, 16 years old, to be specific. It didn't really happen for him at Real Madrid. He had a couple of loan spells that were almost you know, semi-successful. And now he's still in that stage of, of trying to really develop and refine his game. But you have to remember that he's 22 years old. So to compare him to Bruno Fernandes is un unfair in a multitude of ways. First of all, he's five, six years younger. Second of all, um, you know, Bruno Fernandes cost Manchester United in excess of 55 million. I think it was around 56, 57 million pounds. So you're comparing a 30 million pound player and a 57 million pound player. And that's not always fair either, you know, that, that you've got to look at it that way. Martin Odegaard is probably a £30 million player today. And that's why I say the deal was such good value, because he is good and he has the potential to really help you in games. But he isn't 
a 50, 60 million pound player that you would rely on and turn to every single week and say, come on, mate, it's over to you. You have to, you know, win us this game. You have to set the tone. You're the guy that's responsible for us getting over the line here. And that's the big, big difference. Martin Odegaard is a 30 million pound player today might go on to become more, might go on to one day be a 50, 60 million pound player. And if he does, great. But at this moment in time, you've got to judge him as a 30 million pound player. And, you know, West Ham signed 30 million pound players. Crystal Palace signed 30 million pound players. Everton signed 30 million pound players. So these are not players that are so outstanding in their talent that they're going for crazy amounts of money. But you do, you, you make signings like this with the hope that they will go on to get better and better and better and continue to develop and continue to push forward to the point where they are then worth far more and are bringing something to the table week in, week out um, that you really need as a, as a big club, as an elite club, as a club challenging for the Champions League places. So I think judge Martin Odegaard for what he is, a £30 million player. Don't compare him to Bruno Fernandes because he won't score as many goals. He won't provide as many assists because in a number of ways, that's, that's just not Martin Odegaard's game. He is a central midfield player who likes to play in a slightly more advanced role, um, who gives you as much off the ball as he does on the ball. And you can't really say that about a lot of those types of players, which makes him unique, makes him a bit of a unicorn. So, yeah, you know, I, I just think that for me, he he brings a lot to the team. I, I'm not sure that Martin Odegaard, and I've got to be completely an open, completely and openly honest. Is that even a phrase? I've got to be completely open about this and completely honest. I have reservations around whether Martin Odegaard will ever be a, a central or attacking midfield player that contributes double figures in terms of goals like Bruno Fernandes does. I'm not sure I ever see him get into that level in that aspect of his game because I don't really see that instinct there with Martin Odegaard. I don't really see him making runs beyond forwards to get into those kind of positions that will get him these goals. I don't see him being a penalty taker. Um, showed at Burnley that he could score a free kick, uh, which was fantastic. But I don't see Martin Odegaard doing that every single week or as anywhere near as frequently as, as some of his sort of attacking midfield counterparts. And therefore, I think that he'll continue to develop and bring us loads as, as you know, a member of the team. But will it be goals? Will it be goals and assists that you need to judge Martin Odegaard on? I'm not sure. I think you'll end up looking at him as a different type of player. I think you'll probably see him maybe even adapt his role. He's probably more of a 4-3-3 midfielder than a 4-2-3-1 uh, number 10, if that makes sense. So, yeah, look, goals is the one thing that I look at Martin Odegaard and I go, I'm not sure you're ever going to get to the level that we're looking for. But he brings so, so much more to the table. And that, uh, of course, is 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 valuable in itself. I think, you know, we've talked about his attitude. We've talked about his work rate. And I think for me when you look at the way Mikel Arteta is trying to build and assemble this squad, he's been very, very kind of adamant about players having certain characteristics in terms of their personality, about being, you know, in a, uh, being a certain way. And I think it's why he's clashed with not numerous players, Matteo Genduzzi, William Saliba, um, just to name a few, Mesut Ozil. He looks for a certain level of commitment from his players. He looks for a certain level of respect. He looks for, um, a certain type of attitude. And I just think that Martin Odegaard ticked all those boxes. And 
again, going back to podcasts that we put out during last season, I said to you time and time again that Mikel Arteta very early on decided that if the opportunity was to present itself to bring Martin Odegaard back to the club, he was going to take it and he was going to take it with both hands. And look, that opportunity came along a little bit later in the window um, than we'd uh, we'd have liked, uh, but it got done in the end and we just have to kind of, uh, you know, move forward with it now. And, and look, as I say, I think he will bring a lot to the table in terms of pressing, in terms of passing, in terms of setting the rhythm, setting the tempo, not just on the ball, but in the press as well. I think all of those things, um, you know, are things that you can say that Martin Odegaard is very good at, very effective at. But I've got reservations about the goal scoring thing, and I, I hope he can add a few more. Uh, Graham says I'll donate £20 to any charity if he doesn't score 10 this season or next. Look. I think, you know, 10 league goals is is a very good return from someone like that because, you know, it's it's a it's a respectable return for someone who isn't a forward. But will he get there? I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I hope he does because I think it can really help us. And I think one of the big issues that we had at Arsenal last season was not that Aubameyang had an abysmal season because numbers-wise he didn't. Not that Lacazette, didn't score enough goals or Nicola Pepe or whatever. It was that the rest of the group, the players around them, the the central attacking midfielders, the right wingers, the left wingers in general just didn't score enough goals for Arsenal. And we need to spread those goals around and, and people need to contribute. So if Martin Odegaard can contribute 10 league goals this season, that would make the world a difference to Arsenal in the Premier League, you feel. So look, fingers crossed he can do that. And, uh, and I guess only time... Uh, will tell. But look, he's the Norway captain, which tells you a lot about his kind of attitude and his leadership skills and how valued that is in the eyes of people, even outside of Arsenal Football Club. And I just think for me, so far, based on what we've seen, it looks a very shrewd and smart bit of business. You're talking about a player, 22 years old, with a bag and bag of a bag and bags, bags and bags, a bag. No, it's not a bag. It's bags and bags of potential. And I sound like I'm drunk today. Um, You know, you're talking about a player with bags and bags of potential at 22 years old, who's you're signing from Real Madrid, by the way, a club who are not going to be bullied in the transfer market. And that's just the way it is. You know, 30 million pound feels reasonable. It felt reasonable at the time. It felt reasonable to Arsenal. And that's why the deal got done. But in kind of summary from my perspective, and then I'm going to take some of your questions and thoughts from the chat box. I think it was a very good piece of business. I think aside from the Brighton game, he has been probably one of Arsenal's top three performers. He's been consistent in his displays. Yes, at Brighton, it didn't really work out, but he wasn't the only one that was under par at Brighton. There were a number of players who just didn't turn up, who weren't good enough. And I think it's so, so unfair to to say that Martin Odegaard is anything other than a positive signing because of that performance when as I said, everybody was bad. Before we go into the live chat here on YouTube, uh, please do uh, make sure that you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. It really, really does help. Uh, We want to get to 17k here on YouTube as quickly as possible. So if you could subscribe, if you haven't already, that is much appreciated. But we've got some Twitter comments because I did tweet this out a little bit earlier on and I just wanted to touch on a couple of these. Um, top reds out or oh, at Guna Long on Twitter says, um, 
great free kick and quite and played quite well versus Spurs. Other than that, he's been poor. Uh, Joel Cortez says, generally think he's been good. Might be wrong, but think he's a player that might need his teammates to be on song to shine. If the level of the team improves, I think he'll prove himself to be a top player. Triple R AFC says, still annoyed he was scared of the rain against Brighton. Completely went missing against their B team. Scared of the rain? On what basis have you got that, that... Martin Odegaard was scared of the rain. Uh, big hello to at the wave AFC he says he's been good. I thought against Brighton, he was awful, but hopefully that's just an off game. Two cool times says bang average. Uh, Mike Schneider says love him. Arsenal man through and through. He'll only continue to make us and himself better. More training in bad weather is apparently needed for the entire squad. But let's continue to run the ball through him. So, yeah, you know, there's a couple of you that are not too enthused about Martin Odegaard, but I think the general consensus is that the game against Brighton was hopefully just a, a bad day at the office and fingers crossed we can see him uh, get back to the level that he showed against Spurs and, and continue to improve. Right, let's take some of your comments, some of your thoughts. Get If you've got any questions, get them in the chat box as well for the last sort of 13 minutes of the stream. We'll take as many as we possibly can. Uh, Inter says uh, he's crap, but we overhype mediocrity so much. It's ridiculous. Uh, Delinga says uh, Odegaard will be elite in a year or two. He's a leader. Um, Alex says Norway captain. That says it all. Um, Feridun says he was Ancelotti's eighth choice. Yeah, but I mean, c- c- do you really blame Carlo Ancelotti though, right? Because let- let's be honest. Let's put this into context, okay? Martin Odegaard hadn't done it for Real Madrid when Carlo Ancelotti took over the club. Okay, Martin Odegaard had been sent out on loan by previous managers, never really got a look in and was a bit of an unknown quantity. If he wasn't an unknown quantity in in a lot of ways, Arsenal wouldn't have been able to pick him up initially the way they did on loan, because why would you loan out a player that, you know, can do a job at your club? You don't. So the fact that Real Madrid were willing to let him go out on loan meant that they as a football club, not just Carlo Ancelotti, but as a football club, were a little bit unsure about where Martin Odegaard was at. So he comes to Arsenal. He changes country. He comes to a different environment. And I thought he adapted incredibly quickly. One of the other things that I thought he deserved a ton of praise for at the time was the the way he got himself fit, fully fit so quickly, given he hadn't played any football up until that point. So, you know, hadn't played any football that season up until that point. So for me, that is a, a massive testament to his attitude, to his condition, to how well he looks after himself. Now, Carlo Ancelotti goes back to Real Madrid. And listen, Real Madrid, I don't care if Arsenal fans get pissed off or offended at me saying this, because, you know, we all like to think that our club is the greatest thing ever. But Real Madrid are a much bigger club than Arsenal. The job at Real Madrid is much bigger. Therefore, there is a load more pressure on any Real Madrid boss. Therefore, Carlo Ancelotti simply can't afford to take risks on maybe players, players that might come good, players that might give him what he needs on a weekly basis. He won't do it. He simply can't do it. And he decided not to. And the door was opened for Martin Odegaard to leave the club. Also, remember, I say that that Ancelotti decided that he, he wasn't sure, but we all know that the manager at Real Madrid rarely calls the shots when it comes to transfers. And it feels to me like one of those situations where the club looked at it and went, is there any guarantee that this guy's going to succeed at Real Madrid? No. 
There's no guarantee that he's going to succeed at any big club. There's an element of risk to it. There's like there is to any transfer from an Arsenal perspective. But from a Real Madrid perspective, if somebody is offering us £30 million for this guy, we should probably take it. And that's what happened. And that's why Real Madrid agreed to let him go. Not because they think he's a shit player, not because they think he's eighth choice, but because if he's not in the immediate plans and a £30 million offer is on the table at a time where Real Madrid financially were in you know, a spot of bother like many clubs, They've got to take it. They've got to do it. They've got to move him on. They've got to get on with it. It's as simple as that. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Steve Stone says, I can see him improving for sure. How good will he be? Well, that's up to him. Yeah, great point. Feridun says, how many assists has he had since joining Arsenal? And again, I go back to the point I made five minutes ago, whereby... Martin Odegaard maybe is suffering from people labeling labeling him wrong, labeling him wrongly. Man, I can't talk today. Labeling him wrongly. There we go. Got it out. Because is he a out and out attacking midfielder, or is he more of a midfielder in a three? Uh, you know, I, I think the jury's out on that because, I, as I've said, I don't really see that instinct from Martin Odegaard when it comes to uh, getting in the box and scoring goals. When you're talking about assists like Feridun is here, again, you know, assist stats can be misleading. You give the ball to someone 30 yards out and they take on three players and smash it into the top corner. Is that really an assist? No. But if you played the last pass, you'll get that assist. Statistically, you'll get it. But actually... You know, you, you'll see solo individual goals for which assists are awarded. You'll see players playing a five-yard pass square and then somebody putting a cross into the box that, you know, goes straight in because the goalkeeper's caught out and they get the assist for it. So, you know, I'm not reading into those stats too much, but equally, as I say, I don't think they are the things that you would judge Martin Odegaard on. I think that you judge him on passing, tempo setting, pressing, all those other things. And that, maybe therefore kind of indicates that, as I say, perhaps he's been labelled as the wrong type of player. Perhaps the label that we have of him, a number 10, a creative number 10, is not quite accurate with with Martin Odegaard. And I guess over the course of the season, we're going to understand that a little bit more. Um, Don Saki says, but you didn't touch on what he brings to the team and what he does for the team. I, I don't know how many times I have to say it. He works incredibly hard. He presses from the front. He has the ability to play beautiful passes and unlock defences. He has an ability to and a willingness to pull out to the right-hand side and overlap the winger who cuts in field sometimes and create space that way. He's scored a wonderful goal at Burnley, a free kick that won us the game and ensured that we left Turf Moor with all three points in the bag. I think Martin Odegaard brings a ton of things to the team. It just might not be the things that some people are looking for specifically. Uh, Michael Grayson says, anyone ever noticed that certain people in the chat never say anything positive about anything? Or is that just me? Michael, it is not just you. And it's draining. You know, you can have a different opinion and that's fine. And as long as it's fair and you back it up. But it's like, let's talk about Martin Odegaard today. Oh, Martin Odegaard, shit. Let's talk about Emil Smith-Rowe today. Oh, no, Martin uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, shit. Let's talk about Mikel Arteta today. Oh, Mikel Arteta, shit. 
I mean, draw the line somewhere. <laughs> so, Michael, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, Mickey Morris says the signing of Odegaard was a no-brainer. He's a class act and will serve the club well for years to come. Uh, Riddy says, do you think Odegaard will thrive under a better manager? Impossible to say, because I've not watched him closely enough under any other manager to know that. Um, I wouldn't rule it out because, I, as I've said before, Contrary to what people think, I don't think that Mikel Arteta is the finished article as a manager. And there is a case that says, you know, naturally you would perform better under someone who perhaps understands your game a bit more or, or you know, uh, deploys you in a different system. But let's not forget that these players, the Odegaards, the, the Whites, the Ramsdales, the Smith Rose, the Sackers, these guys have all committed their future to the football club because largely because of Mikel Arteta, because he's been able to persuade them uh, that this is the place for them. He's obviously held conversations with them, conversations that have had positive outcomes, which have then subsequently led to them agreeing to to sign on the dotted line. So, you know, you could argue that really, and, and you know, we, we'd never really know that until we see it happen. But I do think that we probably overlook the fact that Mikel Arteta has played a role in bringing these guys in. Therefore, they must feel that he's able to extract their maximum. Catho uh, says, uh, Harry, isn't it clear to see he's the only one that's up for it, always leading the press whilst Lazy Oba just picks his nose. Had enough of that guy, I swear to God. <laughs> um, look, I- I'm not going to get down the whole, um, you know, the whole, uh, I'm not going to jump down the rabbit hole of Aubameyang again today, but, you know, he does divide opinion with the way he works and and it's not, always been as visible as it was against Spurs. And I get that, but I totally take your point um, on board regarding Odegaard though, because I think he does really lead the press and I think he does really set the tone. And as I've said repeatedly, and I've probably said it five, six times now on this episode alone, but sometimes you need to look at what you're getting out of a player rather than what you're not. And then weighing up whether what you're getting is is in it compensates what you're not getting. So in look, Martin Odegaard probably doesn't get enough goals or definitely doesn't get enough goals. Probably doesn't, definitely doesn't maybe contribute enough direct assists, but he brings other things to the table. And what you've got to do as a manager is you've got to work out how highly you value each of those two things. So do you value his the goal contribution more than all the other things. If so, then Martin Odegaard's not your man or he needs to be played somewhere else. If not, then Martin Odegaard fits in within what you're trying to do perfectly. And look, as I said, I'm not sure he's going to get the goals that we need him to get. But I do think he brings other things to the team and that's why Martin uh, Mikel Arteta persists with him. Uh, let's see what else we've got um, in the chat box. Uh Ekene says Arteta won manager of the month and nobody's talking about it. I was actually going to talk about it on tomorrow's show. Um, I didn't want to postpone this, this player review show again, because I did it yesterday. I postponed it. Um, and, and I had a few angry messages, so uh, I didn't want to do that again. I wanted to do the Odegaard show, but we will talk about Mikel Arteta, of course, on tomorrow's uh, episode. Uh, big hello to Arpit, who says a uh, big up Harry should collab with Turkish. Yeah, uh, no issue with that. I'd love to, man. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in. Appreciate it. Right. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, 
Bejon says uh, Odegaard will improve as he gets more experience. There you go. So um, uh, lots of you kind of sharing that opinion. Sorry, I'm I'm getting distracted by the comments. Uh, Inter says, isn't it a job? Isn't a job? Is it me that can't read this or does it not make sense? Isn't it a job in a basic? Right. No, it's not me. It's the comment. Isn't it part of a basic footballer's job to work hard is, is the point he's trying to make here. Yeah, it is. But not all of them do it, do they? You know, it should be. It should be a given. Like, it should be a given that if you're going to um, write articles about football, you should be able to spell. And there are people that can't you know, that I've read articles where they, they they don't make sense. People can be slacking in a certain area without it meaning that they're not fit enough to do the job completely. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. With with his work rate, I think it is elite. I really do. I think he works so much harder than the majority of players in that position. So, you know, fair play to him. I don't see why when it's somebody, when it's Kieran Tierney, for example, everybody's all over him. You know, Kieran Tierney's the greatest. He works incredibly hard. And then when it's Martin Odegaard, oh, it's, it's the basics. He should be doing it. Don't know. Don't know. Uh, Matt says, what do you think Arteta's minimum requirements for Odegaard this season are? Um, again, look, that, that's that's such a hard question to answer because you don't know what, what it is that he is in the side to do. You know, you know, you can say the obvious is, yes, he's in the side to score goals and provide assists. But is he there as the, the link up between the midfield and the attack? Is he there as the kind of, um, you know, as the, the tempo setter when it comes to the press? You know, it, it depends what Mikel Arteta defines his role as being. And if he defines that role as him being somebody who needs to contribute X amount of goals and assists, then I think he might be disappointed by him this season. But I don't think that's it. I think there is more to what Mikel Arteta demands from Martin Odegaard. A lot of it is to do with our shape. A lot of it is to do with our press. And a lot of it is to do with the, the energy levels. And I think that in Mikel Arteta's eyes, I think if Martin Odegaard does all of those things regularly and helps us as a team in that sense, I think he will be a little bit more understanding or lenient when it comes to judging him on his goal and assist return. So I, if that makes sense, Matt, I think that he brings a lot, um, a lot to the side so much so that it is almost impossible to just kind of say he needs to score X amount of goals and that will be Arteta's minimum requirement or he needs to produce X amount of assists. So yeah, that's where I am on that. Uh, what else have we got? A uh, big hello to Ehis in the chat as well. He says, Odegaard is so hardworking, uh, creative and compress, compress so hard and can tackle too. So, uh, yeah, look, lots of people positive about Odegaard. There's a few of you that are not sure. And, and look, I'm not sure about him in every element. I'm not sure about him, as I keep saying, when it comes to goals, when it comes to assists, et cetera, et cetera. But I think he brings a lot to the team. And I think up until this point now, looking at his season so far, I think he's had one poor game in the last month. And that was that game against Brighton. And therefore, you can say, you know, he's on the right path. He's he's, he's gone off of that track, if you like, fallen off the side. And you hope that he can get back on the rails sooner rather than later 
we'll judge him, of course, over the next few games. But I, I guess for me, that the performance at Brighton was so poor from so many that I feel like I can't use that as a reason to, to kind of criticise the signing of Martin Odegaard at this point. Right. A uh, quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, hit the like button. It really, really does help. Um, please uh, do that for me. It takes you one second, but it means the world to me and really does help the channel. Uh, how many of you watching right now? I've got over 100 of you watching us right now live. Uh, we've only got 41 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to as close to 70, 75 as we possibly can. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, leave us a comment below with your thoughts on Martin Odegaard, if you're watching this back or listening to this back, and we will be back soon with more Arsenal and football related content. Had a really good debate earlier on with BBC Sports' Harry De Cosimo uh, around the Newcastle United takeover. If you're interested in that, if it tickles your fancy, it's the last video on the channel, last podcast episode on the feed. Check it out. It was a good civilised debate. Uh, spoke about some important issues. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so check it out and uh, let me know what you think. We'll be back tomorrow with more content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Enjoy your Friday night and uh, stay safe. All the best. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.